If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening here today. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Reclaim Me. I'm your host, Madeline Heather. Reclaim Me is a true crime podcast told by those at the centre of those crimes, the victim survivors. The general public often hears stories of victim survivors through the lenses of perpetrators or the media, and we're changing that narrative here. These interviews are raw and honest, so a word of warning is necessary as discussion and topics may be triggering or distressing for some listeners, so please use your discretion. If you need help or support, please see the suggested resources in the show notes of this episode or contact your local crisis service. How long is too long to wait to take an abuser to court? In Kansas, time can run out and an abuser is off the hook, but there's a move to change that. Investigative reporter Angie Ricono looks at the new push and the challenges. Things have improved in Kansas for criminal charges. This would address the civil side, especially for people who were abused as children. Accusers say this isn't about money. It's about accountability and exposing predators. No one tells you that a clock has started when this happens to you. Kim Bergman says she was 12 years old when her gymnastics coach began sexually abusing her. She eventually reported it to others, including police. DCF substantiated the abuse back in 2002. The department findings shows Kim was sexually abused. A letter written in 2012 to Kim's mother clarifies, the perpetrator who was substantiated for the sexual abuse of your daughter was David Byrd. The prosecutor never took the case to court. There was no trail or record for David Byrd until another accuser stepped forward seven years after Kim first reported her abuse. David Byrd was convicted of felony indecent liberties with a child and placed on the Kansas Sexual Offender Registry. If you can make somebody known, at least through the civil system, that can help warn the public about someone like this. But I also think this is, it's kind of gotten to the point of 
I feel like throughout my life, I've been told that my abusers' rights matter more than mine. Bergman and others are hoping a new bill passes. It would give accusers more time to head to court, easing time restrictions and the requirement that accusers must prove an illness or injury. You know, honestly, the biggest concern that comes up is really from the church. The sponsor says this bill would simply place Kansas among the 38 other states that have reformed their statutes. We've waited and we've waited. Senator Cindy Holscher admits there has been pushback from lobbyists representing those who might see financial consequences from childhood abuse. We also know in many of these instances uh, where children have been victimized by clergy or law enforcement or even family members, there's never been a criminal case. So they've never been able to pursue justice. That's why the civil case is so important. Bergman and others are speaking out in person and pushing a petition encouraging people to speak out on this issue. Frustration is boiling over because the bill is stuck in the Judiciary Committee. Failing to pass this bill is saying that they're choosing the right pedophiles over survivors. And it's sometimes it just feels like how many times can we get knocked down? We reached out to the head of the Judiciary Committee. She didn't speak with us or offer an explanation for why this bill hasn't been placed before the Senate for a vote. We also reached out to David Byrd and did not get a response. Angie Ricono, KCTV5 News. Hey, legends, and welcome back to part two of this interview with the incredible Kim. Uh, you just heard then from Kim, who was speaking at the top of the episode with KCTV5 News over in Kansas. And I think it really summarizes and highlights the point that we've been talking through already through this episode. Now, one thing that I did want to raise at the beginning of this episode was to please call out this call to action where you, the listener, has an opportunity to make some substantial differences. If you go into the link in the bio on the Reclaim Me Instagram account or on my personal account, you will find a link to a petition that you can sign to remove the statute of limitations in Kansas for these types of crimes, which is an incredible thing that you can do. They are also linked in the show notes for this episode. They are also linked in the show notes for the previous episode. And if you can't find them for some reason, you can definitely get in touch with me and I'll send it over to you. It is incredibly important that we band together and get this stuff done. Additionally, there, there are some other um, petitions that I do have in the show notes for this episode as well. So if you do have time, please go and support Kim on her advocacy mission. I think she's just an incredible woman doing incredible things. But that's enough from me at the top here. I'll get straight back into the conversation with the incredible Kim. Um, but also interesting, reading in Tessa's police reports, he had admitted to his this other woman that he called his wife at the time. I think it was more of like a common law thing. He had admitted to her that he had a past with underage girls, but that he had changed. Um, in his interview with the police, he even said that, well, I'm not as bad as so and as another coach that he named. And so, I mean, he's admitted this to people over the years. So it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is. And I think we need to do more. And this is why these talking, getting these bills through, being advocates and what you're doing is so important because you're making the rubber meet the road now. You know, we're going to be the ones that are going to end up holding people accountable for their inaction or their lack of seeming care for this situation. Um, and sadly, it is the case, but we can make change. And we can do that by getting loud, by doing what you're doing, all of these different things. They're so important. And 
Right. Yeah, people might have heard him make admissions, you know, like you just said, admissions to other things. And underage girls are children, so he's admitted. You yeah. know, and he admitted to this woman that was like his wife, and they opened a gym together. So she knew that he had a history of inappropriate relationships and still invited him in to have access to all these young girls. But again, they're all also good people in the sport. You know, the gym I work out now is super supportive. They're very big on empowering women. And, um, you know, when I've been doing some of these news pieces, they've allowed the camera crews to come into the gym to get some shots of me coaching and stuff. So I definitely am super thankful for that. And I always think back on this and I think now as a former gymnast, I think, how easy it was because you, you're right your your coaches are always touching you no no never I was never inappropriately touched myself but you know I'd have like the male coaches who would grab your butt you know and go squeeze squeeze you know because they're trying to make you squeeze your butt you know in, in a handstand or something and you've got people who are spotting you and trying to catch you while you're flipping through the air and you're wearing a leotard and this uh-huh. is you know I don't know, is it appropriate for, for young girls to wear leotards anymore? I'm not sure because it's just a little bit. Well, even like when I'm coaching now, you know, there's times where you go to catch somebody and you accidentally, and I try to always say, oops, didn't mean to do that. Yeah. And just that little saying is like acknowledging to them that somebody shouldn't be touching that. And I didn't try to, it was, I was trying to help you from landing on your head or something like that. But like when I was 12, I remember we would all, before vault, we'd line up by the trampoline and we'd put our arms up and get into a round hollow body shape. And my coach would come around and, you know, try to put everybody in the right shapes. And there's, that's something that I've done as a coach, but I know how to do it an appropriate way. Whereas his hands would be in places that were unnecessary to be there, but also as 12, I'm assuming, okay, this is probably happening to everyone and not realizing it was not happening to everyone and that something was happening to me. And that's just that boundary pushing for somebody who's trying to groom and take advantage of you, you know, is Mm -hmm. consistently going to do things like that to try and normalise the behaviour, to try and normalise it's okay for him to touch me there because he does it in front of everybody. So it can't be wrong then, right? If he's doing it to everybody and he does it to me in front of everybody, Mm -hmm. it's fine. You can completely understand how this man's access to children you know, has been prolific. Then there were definitely times where like there were clear lines, like when he would call me and tell me to not wear a bra to practice and would check to see if I did or call me and tell me to wear a lacy black or red bra. And it's, I'm 12 years old. What am I going to do? Tell my mom to take me to Victoria's Secret? Like, or, you know, I had incidents happen that one of the most standout to me was we're all sitting in a hotel room at Bart Connors gymnastics camp, which he was a famous Olympian and Nadia Kalinichi. That camp was so special to me. I learned my back walk around the beam with Nadia, Um, you know, and later that night at the hotel, the team's all in one room watching a movie or TV or something. And he's giving me a back rub in front of everybody, but his hand is going inside the armholes of my shirt and I'm laying there frozen of what do I do? I'm terrified someone's going to see this. And finally I get up the nerve to get up and go sit behind. And instead of that stopping it, then he goes and just reaches behind him and touching me. And so I'm just, and I remember him looking at me saying, why did you move? And I'll never forget the look and the sound of his voice when he said and did that. 
but it kind of made me just feel like, okay, even if I move, I'm, I can't get away from this. And that's in front of people as well. I mean, that's right. That's just terrifying. I mean, I can't, you know, you put yourself back in those shoes and it's just like, you were so young and that must've been so difficult for you as well, because back walkover, amazing with Nadia. Like this is, this is every gymnast's dream. And to have that day be destroyed, you know, that what should be a memory that should be so happy for you that day for the rest of your life, you've been able to, to have her, to meet her in general, like amazing. And instead I spent the next year worrying if I was talking about it in my sleep or not. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, but I'm so thankful that you're doing this now because I think it's going to help people. And you know, you've already done so much. And I, I just think you're absolutely incredible for what you've done and to keep being an advocate and being a coach and being somebody that is is showing people that there is as well life after abuse. You know, you've you've gone on and you've had your own kids and you're still able to enter a gym. You know, it's not ruined your life so bad that you can't move forward. And I, I really like saying that to survivors who are going through shit right now. You know, it is shit. It takes a long time and it doesn't mean that you're you know, your trajectory, you're not going to get to a point and a pinnacle point of being healed and think, you know, hallelujah. And then you're never going to think about it again. We all go through waves, but you know, you're, you're showing people that by your behavior and your actions. And, and I think it's just incredible. Well, thank you. Sorry. I was looking through my letters that I wrote to see if there's anything that I like seeing myself in these letters a year later, you know, I talk about being depressed and feeling fat and wanting you know, getting diet pills from my friends and it's, I don't know, but also just being 12 and how I ex- explain this, you know, um, I haven't really told anybody this except Christina when the team, when everybody went swimming, David kept trying to put his hand on my swimsuit later that night. He told me I was his girl not to tell anyone. He kissed me on the cheek. I remember being like scared to death. Whichever, when everyone was in the hotel room and he was rubbing my back because I was sore, I was wearing a tank top and he kept putting his hand in the armholes. I finally got up and sat somewhere else and he gave me this look that I'll never forget and asked why I pulled away. After Bar Connors, I wanted to do three days a week, but he wouldn't let me until I let him hug me. Sometimes he would call me and ask what I was wearing and tell me to not wear a bra to practice or that I should wear a red or a black one. When all this was happening, I didn't know it was happening to anyone else. It was always so frustrating because I thought he was a good coach, but then he would do all the bad stuff. I'm really sorry about uh, what happened to you because, again, this person was also a victim. This is the first time I ever really told anyone in details about what David did to me. I kind of told another coach a little, but not much. Please don't tell my parents what I told you. When my parents found out why David got fired, they were always asking me if he had done anything to me, and I had promised that he didn't, which was a lie. Like, I apologize for my handwriting being so sloppy because I think I would come and go writing these in this one I wrote. In the other, in the middle of that other letter, I kind of wrote, mentioned how I was feeling depressed. I hate more than just my family right now. I hate the way I look. I'm so ugly. I have these huge cheeks, which is what I hate the most. I have a really long hairline on my neck. I have to keep my hair short because when you have it on a ponytail, you can see the hairline, which looks really bad. I'm also so fat. My thighs are huge. My stomach sticks out and I'm the hugest person at the gym. You probably weigh like 10 pounds less than me. I've tried to go on a diet, but I can't stick with it for more than two days. I'm thinking about having my friend Ashley buy me some diet pills. She takes them so she would know what kind to get and I can take them without my parents knowing. Whenever I see people, I always think how I would love to look like them. I wish I could look like you. 
you have really pretty hair, you're really skinny, you have a boyfriend, and you don't look like fat, ugly me. Those are some of the words that I had, you know, writing that letter, those letters a year later. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's such an insight and even saying it just shows the innocence of yourself and how vulnerable you were at that stage. Like you hated yourself and you were a little kid. And And I don't care if you lose any of that, by the way. I just like as well, like the fact that you even said, don't tell my mom and dad, like, you know, that's such a, it's such such a a childlike thing to say in itself. Yeah. And so this was um, the letters that you sent to your coach who was also quite young at that time as well, right? She would have been probably in her early 20s. Yeah. That must have been, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like even receiving them as well. And it's it's sad that she never reported that. But, again, you know, maybe wasn't sure what to do. She sent a letter back to me that I have as well, and she talks about, you know, she's so sorry that happened. um, But I think she thought that once – he was gone, then that was the end of it. So, but, you know, unfortunately that person, he's gone on to continue doing what he was doing, but, you know, I don't blame her. I think, you know, as a coach, people should have been taught better, but, and I, and I think she's someone that, you know, really did try to look out for me. You know, it's a system in itself. And, you know, she's, she's young and she's a victim of something herself. It would be difficult. But right. you're right, if she thinks that you're out of danger now because the threat is gone, then what's she supposed to do almost? You know, we know the answer to that now, being adults and right. knowing what we know. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty, sadly. But right. you know. There were also other people that knew about what happened to me and sh- did know better and should have known better and continued to allow things to happen. So it's kind of a hard area absolutely and a gymnastics coaches in the states mandated reporters not legally okay. so um there's been a lot of changes lately um that's actually another bill that i've been working on about trying to have certain people be mandated reporters um specifically members of the clergy to have them be mandated reporters as well um due to a local um family that um whose child was abused in the church by another child or another teenager. Um, and the church chose to talk to the other family and discourage them from going to the police and caused it to go downhill from there. So, and you know, in the, in the States, different States have different laws regarding mandated reporters and such. Um, now with safe sport and all, um, if you're a sport that's governed by safe sport, you are a mandated reporter within that. So, but even still, it's, it's hard. I mean, I think the trainings that we get, they've gotten better about understanding mandated reporter and when to report and such. Um, when COVID happened and, you know, the world shut down, the, the owners of the current gym that I'm at now, you know, they decided to take that time to do a lot of like staff education. And so I offered to come up with a staff training about child abuse and neglect, partially because I felt like, okay, these kids have been out of school for months that when they come back, I think it's more important than ever that, um, you know, safe adults in kids' lives, like their coaches are, you know, aware of different signs and signs of possible abuse and, you know, what to do if a kid does, ex- does um, disclose abuse. I think that's one thing that's super important as well to not, you know, unfortunately the legal system is, the way it is that you have to be very careful of 
how you talk to a child when they're disclosing. So, um, and I was able to kind of really tailor it to gymnastics, um, kind of from my experience at Child Protective Services and my experience coaching. You know, I brought up one example of I had a child that she had a mark on her leg and I asked what happened and she told me that her mom hit her with the belt um, and how I had to report that, et cetera. And then, but then also, I don't know, a few months later, I had another child with a very similar mark and I asked what happened. She says the belt and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to go through this whole process again. And so I asked, oh, I asked just again, you know, what happened? She's like, oh, my sister and I were playing helicopter with the belt and I got hit in the leg. I was like, oh, okay. What do your parents say about that? They're like that that was a dumb idea. And so, you know, two situations that could have been, that were very different, but looked the same. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Absolutely. And, you know, your experience as a social worker as well, you've got that background to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important that more people get this training. You know, I think in Australia, anyone over the age of 18 is a mandated reporter. So I think if you're an adult in a situation, you think something is wrong, you have to say something. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't have these chats enough. And I was, you know, this is a couple of years ago now, a girl that I lived with was a disability teacher. So she would be in the classroom with a number of children who were disabled. They were able to talk and everything But she did. She, there was this one kid that was being neglected and I think that she'd gone to child services before, but she would secretly take this kid on adventures. Like they'd go to Luna Park and stuff together. And she was like, yeah, because his mum's not going to let him. And I'm like, I understand that, but that's so inappropriate. You're basically kidnapping a child and taking them out without the parent's permission. That's not okay. And this one child, she was trying to explain a few different things to me. And she said, yeah, it's just really difficult with him because he's always smelling so bad when he comes to school and often he doesn't uh, change his uh, uniform for days and days on end. Like you can tell he's just gone home and stayed in it and come back. And I was just like, this is not okay. Like, have you told the principal, have you called child protective services? Because a kid that is smelly 
isn't just a smelly kid. There's possibly abuse going on. There's neglect going on. This child has additional needs as um, a, a disabled child. Like her mindset was just like, oh, he's a little bit annoying because he smells. When you and I hear that, we go, holy shitballs, what's going on? We need to get somebody in there to make sure that child's in a safe environment at home. And as a teacher, she didn't even think that. And it, I was like, call the principal now. <laughs> so child services. And also, you know, in that example as well, it's not, it's not the reporter's job to investigate the situation and find out why are you smelly and wearing the same clothes every day. You know, it's your job to report it and let the people that are trained to deal with it do the investigating. So, but I get how hard it can be. I know when I, when I brought up the situation of the child whose mom had hit her at the belt, that was so hard to make that call. I'm like, Oh, I know this family. Um, I don't want them to find out and get mad, but it's just, you know, I went to one of my coworkers and I explained it and they're like, yeah, you have to like, and I'm, and so I, you know, of course I did, but I know it's hard, but I think you just have to look at what if something's happening and you didn't. So you know, you don't have to, it's not your job to investigate. It's just, if you question it, it's better off to report it. hundred percent. And people are professionals in this area. I know that the system's overwhelmed. I know that people are worried about people being falsely convicted or having their children taken away, but you know, you flip that and you go, what if you allow it to stay there though? You've done nothing. And I'd rather Mm -hmm. call child protective services on someone that was completely innocent and it had been a mistake and for interviews to be done and child protective services to go in and thoroughly investigate a situation and then say everything's completely fine because it takes it off you as well. You don't have to stress about that. Professionals let them do their job. Will they get it right 100% of the time? No, but you've done something. You know, you think in the future as well, These this family, for example, could have you know, another incident happened. She could have been hit again, you know, in your case. And they've got a record saying that they've been out and they've checked on it before. So you're also building somebody's case of safety or removal from an unsafe place against them. And just because you make a call doesn't mean a child's going to be removed. They try to work with the family leaps and bounds before things get to that point. So I would have loved to receive that training. I mean, I did gym coaching for a few years with the real little ones when I was in high school still. And I didn't get any coaching. It was just, this is what we're going to do. You know, just do it. You're a former gymnast. You'll figure it out. And I'd be like, um, can you guys do rope climbs? <laughs> Got no idea. Yeah. They do a great job. They do, they call it coach and training where when you're a teenager, you get to shadow classes and learn what, what's going on. And I don't know. I think the gym I'm at now does a great job of everything. And you know, following Larry Nasser and following a lot of the other cases that have come out in the wake of that, it has forced a lot of sport institutions to look at their policies, their people, their systems, and I can feel that there is a change. I know that what I went through at gym shouldn't be happening anymore and it isn't happening. Like we would get weighed every day and called fat at the age of like 11. We'd have skin fog tests and horrible, you know, that's you all walk out and you feel so horrible about your life and yourself. And then, yeah, you know, you're watching the Olympians who are these skinny, tiny little things. And if you're not exactly that, then you feel like a weirdo. <laughs> I remember, I, it's funny now, I'm only five foot two, but I grew early and I went through puberty early and I was a head taller than everybody else at gym. And I was, I was trying to crouch myself down, 
Well, because I weighed more as well. So I would go into the office. This is so sad. I'd go into the office because they had like an analog scale that they would weigh us on every day or every week. And I'd sneak in there and I'd move the dial back to below zero so that I weighed less than 41 kilos. That's how much I weighed at the time. So nothing of me, your skin and bone, 2% body fat on your skin folds. And yet still we'd walk to school that day and somebody would be like, should you be eating that sandwich or something? It's like (laughs) they're starving you as well. And it's just the ultimate form of control. Yeah. I feel like at our gym, we're the opposite where did you make sure you ate something before you came to practice today? Your body needs nutrition, you know, you need fuel, et cetera. There have been some good changes made. Yeah. That's amazing just to see and to hear because you're going to have, you know, wonderful gymnasts come through and wonderful well-rounded people that have support and they, they know that they've got support and they, they're going to be taught things differently to the way, you know, the things had used to be done. And I hope that, you know, your story and what you're doing now um, as well is going to stop perpetrators from being allowed to have access to children in some youth serving organizations. I think it's, it's really important work. I think it is worth highlighting though, at the end of the day, that this, this offender was prolific. I mean, we know how many cases do you know of now? There's at least four, seven, I believe, including ones that were the female staff at the gym, but um, several of those also were his gymnasts before they came staff. So I don't know at what point things started. I mean, seven known of this person with one conviction, it's, you're right, it's just the tip of the iceberg and with people like this and you just don't know what else has gone on. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting, um, when I did that training back in 2020, um, one of the staff at the gym whose daughter's a gymnast, um, she messaged me on Facebook. She's like, were you talking about David Bird? And I'm like, yeah, how did you know? She's like, I just instantly knew because she had been coached by him as well. Um, She hadn't been abused, but she knew about, I I didn't know about his severe drug and alcohol history that she told me all about. But um, so yeah, she instantly knew who it was just by, and I never said the name. So in in my training, I brought up examples of different gymnasts or different kids and et cetera. And the last example was me but I just called myself gymnast C or something like that. And then at the end I said, that's me. I was gymnast C. So tell my story and she would immediately know who I'm talking about. And that's the thing though, as well, where I want to talk about this more because if you've got the weird uncle, if you've got the creepy coach, if you've got something that's going on, there's a reason for that. And that's not, people just accept it. They're like, oh, it's weird uncle Al or whoever they're talking about, or it's the creepy coach kind of thing. And it's just like, that's, he's creepy for a reason that should be enough of a red flag to look into this person more anyway. And if she felt that or knew that how many other people thought and felt that as well, like he might not have offended against half of these people anyway, but he's impacted their lives in some way by being a bloody creep around them too. It's just the ripple effects on the pond. Like it's prolific. Yeah. yeah. Tess said one day, a few years back, she was at, um, a soccer, professional soccer game in the area. And he was one of the ushers in the crowd. Like clearly they don't do background checks. Um, and she said, you know, she, she made her husband and her leave immediately and had to tell him on the way home what, why they had to leave. But yeah, I can imagine running into him. Um, Tess and I both for years have kept tabs on him, like on face on social media. 
I've driven, I drive past his house sometimes to see he lives probably 20 minutes away from me. Yeah. And how terrifying would it be if you went there and he's got access to those grandchildren as well? Like that's. When I was driving home, I saw there was like a dance and tumbling place. And I went ahead and called just to be like, Hey, is there a coach named David that works here? They're like, no. I was like, okay, just making sure. Thanks. <laughs> I probably crazy. No, well, I think it's just amazing that you're doing that. Like it's only small things, right? These little phone call here and stuff there as well. But in that moment, what if there was, and they hadn't done that check, you would have been a reason in that moment for this person to be removed from that organization. Like that's, it doesn't take much to protect children. You know, there's people everywhere, but it just takes small actions from a lot of people. Many, many hands make light work. Did you get a chance to watch any of those news pieces that I sent you? Yes, I did. I'm going to put one of them at the top of the episode as well, if that's okay. Yeah, feel free to use any of that. Um, I know two of them were recently nominated for a news Emmy here in the States. So we find out at the end of the month if either one of those won. So I hope you do. That's amazing. What would you, do you think that he's seen any of that that's come through? Probably. I mean, I'm sure they probably had a lookout for it after, you know, the reporter came to their door, but so, I mean, one of them, the one that was more about safe sport, it took almost a year for that to story. No, it took, yeah, it took like a year for that story to finally uh, get put on TV because of all the red tape with lawyers and safe sport threatening to sue and such. So, and it was interesting that they had, like one had been filmed a year before and then they both came out one after another and then a third one after that from the others being filmed. So. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, I hope that you win. And I hope that he's seen them and realizes how much of a piece of shit he is um, as well. Like, And I would love, so Tess is a lawyer now. Tess became a lawyer because of how she was treated when all this happened. The DA didn't believe her and accused her of making this up for attention when he had already known that people like me and other women had come forward as well. So I, just, I think like how amazing would that be to file a suit with Tess as the lawyer on the case? So Absolutely. Like the ultimate giving him the finger kind of thing, you know, um, and you both worked so hard, you know, I can't wait to meet her and, and chat with her. And I think it's incredible that you've turned, you know, what you've gone through in your experiences into helping the community in your own ways, you know, for her to go down that path of law and for you to go down that path of social work as well to be there for children and to provide safe spaces for children and, you know, to create that training in the gymnastics centre specifically for that purpose as well. Like it's pretty incredible that you've been able to both turn the pain that you've gone through into some kind of power, you know, and that's not on him, that's on you. You've both worked through this and your post-trauma response has been to to grow and you've had to fight for that, you know, and, I, I just only I only say that specifically because I hate it when people are like, oh, I wouldn't be here if that didn't happen. Um, and I feel like that's just giving credit to a perpetrator and we don't want to do that. You know, you went through something difficult in your life and you've thought, you're the one that's worked hard. You're the one that's done everything and you're the one now who's in this position, who's fighting for the rights of other people. And I think that's incredible. Yeah, I think that kind of goes along lines. I hear people be like, oh, you're so strong. It's like, no, I just didn't collapse, you know shit happens and sometimes you have to deal with it. So, And everyone's experiences are different, you know, like Mm -hmm. I did go back into the gym for years after, you know, I left and now 
you know, I think it's one of my goals for next year. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it this year, but next year I want to get back in and go and do adult gym. And a lot of that does come down to body and weight and things as well. But, you know, I don't know if I can go back into that specific gym. I think I'd have to find a new location to go because it's just, you know, it's opening up a wound that I don't know I'm ready to do yet. And it's interesting where triggers can come up at. David used to always use the term cool beans. And anytime I hear that phrase, I think of him and I hate it. And I'm reading, my husband and I are reading books with my son. You know, the kids get to pick the books and he brings me this book he bought, he brought from the school library called Cool Bean. And I'm like, great. That's what I'm instantly thinking of when I'm reading books with my six-year-old. So I'm telling my husband, I'm like, we don't need to encourage him to like this book. Yeah. We don't need to say why. It's so true that, you know, years and years later, you might not have this incredible trauma response to that, but that's where your mind goes immediately. Like, I'm sure that you read the book and it was okay, but it, it affects you in some way. And mm-hmm. that's important to talk about as well, because like I said before, it's not, you don't just get to this point where you're just over it. I completely feel that. I think with my, with the pep, person who perpetrated against me as well, it's just some things are said or you hear a word that rhymes with rape or something and you go, ooh, like there's a, you know, mind where you're just like, oh, God, I've got to, you know. And then for a few minutes you're thinking about that and it's annoying. Yeah. I was just talking about raking the front lawn and now I'm in this situation, you know. <laughs> it's weird right. where the triggers come from. Well, thank um, you for doing this and all the work that you're doing. Thank you. And thank you as well. And, um, you know, it's been so wonderful to have a chat with a fellow gymnast too. And what we're going to do as well is we're going to share the statute of limitations bill that you're doing at the moment. We'll share a link to all of the articles as well. And we'll share as well if the email addresses and things that you have so that people can, to, can like you said, get in the ears of different people if they want to. You know, advocacy can come in many forms. And if you don't want to be somebody who's specifically sharing your story online, you can support other survivors in their advocacy journey sign a piece of paper or share something on social media if you can um share the link to the bill we'll do that as well i shoot me an email i'd be happy to talk to anyone absolutely so we'll share the your email um in the show notes for this episode and i just want to say again kim thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and for everything that you're doing i'd love to have you back on again and hopefully we can get you back on with tess and we can we can have another discussion because I think it's just incredible work. Wow. Thank you so much, Kim, for coming on and sharing your story and all of the activism that you personally are working towards in order to make specifically Kansas a safer state for so many people. It's so important that every one of you who can please go on and access the links to support Kim in her advocacy to remove the statute of limitations for sexual assault offences in Kansas. I think it's an incredible thing to get behind. It doesn't take very long and it can literally change somebody's life. I think this story is really highlighted to so many of us, the so many failings that can happen within systems, but also how important it is to, for us to create safe spaces for children around us and to ensure that we do listen to children or notice when children are specifically potentially acting a little bit funny, acting a little bit down and creating safe spaces with them. I've said it in this episode and I think it's worth highlighting again. Please go and get yourself a copy of the book, The Well Armored Child by Joelle Castiex. It really goes through chapter by chapter on how you can speak with children as well, which really helps to arm them with conversational language so that they can potentially tell you if something else is happening as well. I know that in this situation, Kim did not feel that that was an appropriate thing for her to do and that's why she spoke to her coach. 
but potentially when we talk about prevention as well, there are circumstances where we can use language to maybe give children a, a more likely chance that they might come forward and speak to a safe adult about what's going on around them. I will say as well, can you please take a couple of minutes out of your time to go leave a review on Apple iTunes or Spotify? On Spotify, you can only do a five-star review. On Apple iTunes, you actually have an opportunity to properly write a review. So I've seen, I think, seven of you have already gone back in and I can't believe that it's it's so lovely to see people going in and listening to these calls to action. So thank you so much. But if you can as well, please take the time to write something down. Let me know how it's going. Let me know if I say something consistently that's really annoying. Don't. I'll cry. No, you can. It's fine. <laughs> but anything that you can will really help to support this process and this project and this this podcast to to reach more victim survivors, to get these experiences out there, to educate the public and to push for change. I think it's an incredible thing to reach different survivors and it's also an incredible thing to provide them with an opportunity to share their experience and share their stories and to feel like they can actually enforce some form of change and validate others through that experience too. So please take the time to go and do that or share it with somebody else. I think it's just... I couldn't thank you enough. Um, if you send me uh, a screenshot of you doing it, I'll give you a shout out on on the uh, Instagram as well. Let's do that. But in, again, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to Reclaim Me. I really appreciate you all and we'll see you next week with a brand new episode.